Well, we're back, Church of the City. This morning, in many ways, this, this cap, this conclusion to our vision series is going to look very similar to the way it has in past years. And in some ways, it's going to be very unique. I mean, it's a unique time we're in. We all know that. Before we jump into all of this, I want us to take a moment and to pause, to see how you're feeling. Maybe think about what the last number of weeks in our vision series has, what that sort of conjured up for you, what thoughts you've been thinking, what emotions you've been feeling as we've gone, gone through all of these reminders of who we are as a church. Invite the Holy Spirit into that place with you, and then we'll continue on together. All right. I want to begin this morning by telling you something that you probably don't know about me and probably wouldn't guess. In fact, I think all signs at this point point to the contrary. But believe it or not, for a, a couple of years while I was in university, I ran track. Uh, you don't really need to revise your, your opinions of me too much. I was at a very small school, and I think they just needed bodies on the team. So I ran track for a little while. Uh, I was actually going to provide photographic evidence, but when I look back at all the, the pictures, I was too embarrassed of my uh, awkward, flailing, running pictures, and so you won't get photographic proof, but you just need to trust me. At one of the track meets that I was at, I was a part of a 4 by 200 meter relay, okay? And after we ran our race, right after, we realized that our team had been disqualified. And at first, we didn't really know what had happened, but then we talked to the officials a bit, and we found out that uh, in the course of the handoff between me and the, my teammate running after me, that's where the, the, the disqualification, the DQ, had happened. And what had happened was the teammate running after me in the course of the handoff had just stepped uh, a pace or two outside of the handoff zone, which results in being disqualified. Now, immediately, at least in my head, I started to blame my teammate, right? He should have known where, where the line was and not stepped out of it before the handoff was, was done, right? He, on the other hand, I know because he said so, started blaming me, you know, that I didn't catch up to him fast enough, that I, I w wasn't clean enough with the handoff. Our coach, on the other hand, just chalked it up to a failure of the team, that our, our team had failed. So I'd ask you the question, who was right? Which was it? Had I failed? Was it my teammate's fault? Or was it uh, just a failure of, of the team? I expect that the answer you've, you've arrived at is yes. It, it, it's all those things. I should have paced myself better to, to catch up and, and done a cleaner handoff. Really, I had no business being on a track team in the first place, so we should probably just blame my coach for that. But uh, my teammate, on the other hand, should have known where the zone was and not stepped out. And a, a team is made up of individuals, right? And, and when they fail, when they don't uh, complete their tasks, then generally the team fails. <laughs> Now I want us to take that illustration and for a moment think about this, this vision that we talk about so often at Church of the City, in Guelph as it is in heaven. When we have our pilot groups, I often talk about how that is a vision, in Guelph as it is in heaven, is a vision of gospel saturation. 
It's a vision of every man, woman, and child in our city having encounters with Jesus because of the church living faithfully. So let me ask you the, the same sort of question. That vision of in Guelph as it is in heaven, whose responsibility is it to see that vision realized? Is it God's job? Is it uh, Church of the City's responsibility, perhaps in partnership with other churches in our city in Guelph? Or is it, is it my responsibility? Is it your responsibility? Again, I, I hope the answer you're arriving at is yes. Yes, it's, it's all of those things. It's God's power that's going to see that vision realized. It's going to be because churches are living faithfully in our city and, and churches are made up of people. And so you and, and, and I have a responsibility, have, have a role to play in that task of seeing in Guelph as it is in heaven come to reality. And friends, I really believe, you won't be surprised to hear me say this, that when missional communities are working well, that they are an incredible tool to, to see these things begin to take place. Missional communities, when they're, when they're working well, are, are incredible opportunities to display the gospel to people around us who aren't, who aren't yet following Jesus. They're, they're potent opportunities for, for us to become more saturated with the gospel ourselves, right? So that the, the transformation that God's working in us, he can work through us. And, and frankly, uh, I want you to hear at the outset this morning that we have not wavered on any of this. We still believe all of that to be true. We still have, have tremendous confidence in missional communities. And, and frankly, if it weren't for COVID-19, uh, probably the, the covenant process, uh, if you've been around Church of the City for a while, you'll, you'll have experienced that before, it probably would have looked largely the same as it has in past years. But then uh, a, a pandemic happened. Uh, we were forced into lockdown. Social gatherings were limited. Uh, we were restricted from meeting uh, on Sunday mornings as a church. And all of that forced me as uh, the pastor of missional living for our community to confront or rather really be reminded of a, a thorny reality that I always knew to be true, but I think maybe I and, and maybe some others of us in our church had, had kind of gotten away from a little bit. The reality is this. If your growth as a follower of Jesus depends entirely on a group or on another person, you will never grow into full spiritual maturity. Let me, let me say that again. If your growth as a follower of Jesus depends entirely on a group or on another person, you will never grow into full spiritual maturity. Now, that's a big statement. I recognize that. Why would I make such a, a big, weighty, serious statement as that? Well, I think the scriptures are abundantly clear throughout that the Christian life is is a two-sided coin, or maybe we would think of it as, as living the Christian life um, has two tracks running in parallel. The, the first one is this, that you cannot do the Christian life alone. We need each other. You can't do the Christian life alone. We need each other. And, and I hope you hear that and you say, yes, of course. We talk about that as, as Church of the City all the time. That's why we value missional communities so much. 
and put so much investment into them. And again, we are not wavering on that belief, that track. We believe that's as true as it ever has been and will never stop being true. We need each other as we live the Christian life. But, but there's a parallel track, friends, another side to that coin, and it's this. You must take personal ownership over your spiritual life. You must take personal ownership over your spiritual life. And so those two tracks run together, friends. Those are the two sides of the coin of the Christian life. We need each other. We can't do this alone. And yet each of us must take responsibility over our own spiritual life and and growth. And so I question, I think perhaps we've, we've maybe underemphasized that, that second track because of how much we've emphasized the first. And so this morning, you're going to hear me talking a lot about that, that second track, that other side of the coin. And I just want to say one more time, that doesn't mean that we have wavered at all in our, in our uh, belief, our confidence in missional communities simply that I think we need to re-emphasize this other half of things, this other side of the coin, this other track in the Christian life. So this morning is not the announcement of some drastic change. It's simply trying to take some some important steps to recover a, a truth that maybe we've forgotten about at times, the importance of personal spiritual ownership and responsibility and growth. So what I'd like us to do now is to have a look at a passage of scripture that I think beautifully illustrates these two tracks running together in, in parallel and in unity. So this passage is going to be on the screen, so I would invite you to read it, and then uh, we'll, we'll look at it together. So as I said, I think this passage brings these two sides of, of the coin, if you will, together and shows them both working together. So let's look at these verses together. It's 2 Timothy 1, 3 to 7, as you, as you just saw. Paul begins, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. So again, for context, uh, Paul, this is the second letter, at least that we have in the scriptures, uh, that Paul wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy. And here he's expressing thanks for his spiritual son. And even right in in this, in verse 3, we see uh, Paul talking about his own spiritual disciplines, his own spiritual growth, that he is a person of prayer. It goes on in verse 4, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. See, right there, we hear, we see those two tracks, right? Because Paul talks about Timothy's sincere faith, one that is his own, that is, is genuine. But Paul also reminds Timothy that that faith that he has is, is in, in some ways, a product of the people, the, the faithful followers of Jesus around him. A mother who followed Jesus and a grandmother, a, a heritage of faith that he's inherited. Look at verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Again, both of those tracks. 
Paul encouraging Timothy to take this faith that he has and to grow it, to take the spark and to fan it into flame. But also recognizing that again, not only is Timothy, uh, not only is his faith uh, a result of the, the faithfulness of his mother and his grandmother, but of Paul as well. In other words, Timothy is a part of a spiritual community that is helping him to grow. And yet Paul is encouraging him to, to take ownership, to fan that, that, that spark into flame. Then he says in verse 7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. See, we as believers, if you're a follower of Jesus, as we've talked about throughout this vision series, we're united. One way in which we're united is that we all have the same spirit dwelling in us, the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Spirit does, Paul says here, is gives us uh, 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 power and love and self-control. Self-control, the idea that, that we will gain mastery over ourselves, right? As we talked about earlier, day by day, we're, we're uh, being given power over sin in our lives. Salvation is, is the power over sin that we grow in day by day by day. So here, I think in these words from Paul, we see both of these tracks in his encouragement to his spiritual son, Timothy, this encouragement to lay hold of things, uh, to take ownership, to grow the faith that he has, but also this recognition that he needs the people around him. <clears throat> and so I, I'll say again, you can't do the Christian life alone. We need each other. We still believe in missional communities. And if you're not in a missional community, I would strongly exhort you that you need other believers journeying alongside you, closely alongside you in your life. You need followers of Jesus with whom you're visible and vulnerable. Uh, you need to be part of a, a diverse community um, where generosity is flowing between the, the members of that community in order, I think, to, to really grow into maturity. But likewise, we must take personal ownership over our spiritual lives. Frankly, being in a missional community, friends, does not ensure that you will be doing like Jesus. Neither, for that matter, does being present at every Sunday gathering. You know, in, in addition, being in a missional community doesn't even mean necessarily that you will be on mission. Missional communities can be, be powerful tools for those things. And that's why we're going to continue to invest energy into them. But if you as an individual don't take ownership over your spiritual health and growth, then I don't think you will ever grow into the fully formed, mature disciple that you're intended to grow into. Now, some of you might be uh, listening to this and, and feeling some maybe some, some frustration or, or you're disagreeing with me to a sense. Maybe uh, you're thinking, you know, I, I, I'm in a missional community and, and I do feel like I'm growing. Sure, I, I don't, you know, practice all of the spiritual disciplines, but I feel like there's, there's growth. You know, my missional community has, has, has covenanted some things and, and I'm involved in those. Or, or maybe you're thinking, yes, I do have some close spiritual friends uh, that, that are there for me when I need them to be. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm good. I'm, I'm set. 
And those things may very well be true and, and you know, praise God for them. You might be experiencing growth in, in simply by being in a missional community if the other folks in that MC are, are growing. But if you are not taking personal ownership in those contexts, in addition to simply being a part of them, you need to know two things about that decision. The first is that you'll never be as effective in God's mission as you otherwise would be. I mean, just think about it, right? If, if, if we sidestep, say if I sidestep uh, relationships with uh, my neighbors or my coworkers, simply because, well, my, my missional community has a sort of a, a, an established mission together. So that's where my sort of missional energies go. Well, then it's, it's only obvious that, you know, God's not able to use us in those contexts, in my workplace, in, in, in my neighborhood, on, uh, amongst the parents of my, my son or daughter's soccer team. The other thing you need to realize about that decision to simply kind of throw in your lot with a group and hope that that will mean your growth is that you're, you're actually taking a, a big risk. To use Paul's language from the, the passage that we looked at a moment ago, if you don't fan the spark into flame, there's a much greater risk of it going out altogether. I mean, if you're in a, in a community, either you know, a, a missional community or some other group of believers and, and simply hoping that sort of by your presence with those people that you will grow, I mean, think about this for a moment. What, what, if, what if someone in that group uh, goes through a, a crisis of faith? Now, if you're all growing into maturity as believers, taking personal ownership, then in those moments, there's this wonderful uh, partnership that can happen where we can buoy each other up. You know, we can strengthen each other in moments where one of us is, is struggling. Otherwise, you know, if, if simply we're just kind of hoping that, you know, by being a part of this, this group of people that, that will somehow grow, if one person goes through a crisis, then it can become a, a, a game of dominoes, frankly, where one person's faith begins to crumble and that has an effect on another's and another's and another's and another's. Think, think for a moment about, you know, if you, if you take that approach to your growth of just sort of the passive one, well, I'm a, a part of this group, think about what happens with moments like we're in right now, major disruptions where you aren't able to have the access to that group that maybe you once did. You're going to struggle, right? You're, you're, you're physically going to be, be weak and, and, and be struggling, and regardless of whether or not there's a disruption like a pandemic going on or, or a crisis of faith, the engine of that community will never be receiving the fuel of the, the individuals within that community growing themselves. It'll be, it'll be uh, an engine that's perpetually running out of gas. And so friends, all of this brings us to our 2020 vision series. And as I said at the start, the way in which things will look the same, but different as well. Again, if you've been around for uh, a number of years, you'll have been through this process. It generally looks something like our, our vision series and then a primer. Pri generally, the, the primer was geared towards missional communities and it kind of followed through the vision series, allowing MCs to gather together and, and discuss the points being talked about on Sundays. 
And then that generally culminated with an MC coming together and making a covenant for the year ahead. How do we want to live as family? How do we want to grow as disciples? How do we want to be on mission? And then our hope and our prayer was that that would then trickle down into the individuals within that community and their own personal rhythms. And sometimes, friends, I, hear me, this is not a, a, a bad process that we were engaging in over these last number of years. It's, it's not wrong. It's not bad. And sometimes it worked beautifully. And yet, at least for this particular moment we're in now, there would be some pitfalls with taking that same approach. The obvious one, missional community activity is severely restricted right now. And so living out these identities as a full community is, is going to be a challenge. It's going to be virtually impossible, to be honest with you. It doesn't mean that these community, that our missional communities will cease to exist until restrictions lift. But, you know, if you're approaching a covenant process, wanting to get together every week for a meal, that's going to be a challenge right now. And you know what, even if restrictions were lower in this moment, you know, what we've discovered over the past number of months is that things can change, you know, at the drop of a hat. And so making a covenant for the next year, we can all, I think, agree that that would be a challenge because we don't even know what two weeks from now is going to hold. Another challenge with taking that same sort of uh, approach to, to our covenant process this year is that not everyone in our church community is in a missional community. And as Pat mentioned last week, it's never been more of a challenge to get into a missional community. The pathways are just not as, uh, not as open as, they, as we generally like them to be, and that's, that's nobody's fault. That's simply the nature of the, the time that we're in. And finally, I think at times some folks in our church have looked to the idea of being in a missional community as, as a, a kind of a silver bullet, that simply by, by being able to acknowledge that I'm in a missional community, well, then I will be growing, and I will be on mission, and I, and I will be a, a growing, contributing member of the family of God. And so because of all these challenges the, of, of this current moment, we're going to flip this process upside down, in, in a sense. And so I have here what I'm calling Church of the City's Personal Spiritual Growth Plan. Now, that's a terrible title for this document, and I recognize that. I picked some obscure name for this because different Christian communities have, have done things like this and called it all sorts of different things, and I didn't want us to get caught up on a name or on how we've heard that some other group, uh, s- some other denomination or a particular Christian group has, has done something like this because I don't think that's what's important. So, so what is this? Well, it's simply a tool to help us think holistically about our own spiritual health and consider rhythms and practices that could help us grow, that could help me grow, that could help you grow. Now, let me stop here for just a moment. Is it possible for us to plot or to map out our way into growing as mature Christians who are then automatically going to be used mightily by God. No. No. Certainly not. And, and in fact, any mature believer will tell you that. But what we can do is put the pieces in place so that when God wants to speak, we can hear him. 
so that when he wants to move, we respond, we follow, we're available. I mean, Jesus was clear about this, right? It, it, it relies not on any document or tool. It relies on him. We looked at these verses a number of weeks ago in, in the Gospel of John, which next week we'll be jumping back into. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So think of this plan, friends, as simply a trellis for that vine. A trellis doesn't make a vine grow. It's the sun and rain and soil that, that does that. But a trellis can provide structure. It can promote the health of that vine, can provide a pattern for its growth. And so that's the hope for this tool, friends. And so it's, it's really composed of, of two parts that run throughout. The one part is, is questions to help you honestly reflect and assess where you are now in terms of your spiritual health. And then the, the second part that again runs throughout is opportunities for you to build a plan for how you think you need to grow in the days ahead. And as part of that, that second part, there's, uh, there's suggested practices and rhythms that Christians throughout church history have embraced to contribute to them growing in these areas. But those are just suggestions, friends. This is not meant to be a document where I tell you what your plan for personal growth ought to be. <laughs> and so a few things you should know about this, about this tool. It is not meant to be a, a, a law over your life. Interestingly, some Christians throughout church history have called things like this a rule of life, which is a, a, um, in some ways a misleading title because it suggests that this document can become law, and that's not the intention at all. In fact, people who have done this and, and, and uh, Christian leaders and thinkers who have promoted um, tools like this in the life of believers are, are very clear that it must change and adapt as you explore what's going to work for you, what's going to promote your growth. Think of it as a living document, not something set in stone. And you will only get as much out of this process as you put into it. So if you try and sit down you know, hammer out some sort of loose, vague plan in, in 10 minutes, then you can expect similar results <laughs> from that plan. There will be aspects of this which will require collaboration. Now you might think, hang on, I thought we were talking about how I needed to take individual responsibility, and now you're saying that we should collaborate on this document. What I mean is, there's going to be aspects of our growth you know, we're, uh, to use the analogy from earlier, we're not forgetting about that second track, that w or th the first track, how I said it earlier on, that we need each other, that we can't do life alone. And so, you know, if, uh, if you're in a missional community, you know, part of this plan ought to be some of the rhythms that your missional community has, has embraced and hopefully will continue to embrace to promote your growth. And so some aspects will need to sort of be left a little bit 
uh, looser or, or less defined until you're able to have some of those conversations. Like with any believers that you live with, for example. You know, I, if I had that commitment to uh, a 24-hour Sabbath that I talked about earlier, from Friday evening to Saturday, but Sam didn't share, my wife didn't share that commitment uh, with me at all, then that would be a challenge, right? And so there needs to be some collaboration here. And if you hear all this and you think, well, hang on a second, I, I sort of have a plan in place. It's not, it's not this, but it, it's, I think it's promoting my growth. I, I think I'm learning to do like Jesus. Great. I am thrilled to hear that. Keep at it. The goal is not to have you buy into this plan, but to have a plan. And as you go through this, one last note for you, you'll see things inviting you into... Uh, to think about mission, the unique places that God has placed you, where you uh, are being called to be on mission, the unique relationships and, and places and spheres that you have influence in relationships in. And for some of you, particularly those who are in missional communities, that will probably generate questions like, hang on a second, what about what we've talked about for so many years about a missional community finding a place to serve and, and be on mission together? We have not wavered on that at all, friends. And, and when a missional community finds one of those opportunities that is generating deep relationships and the opportunity for gospel proclamation, it is fantastic. But, I, as many of you will have heard me say, the 80-20 rule, the, the mission that an, uh, a missional community takes on together will only ever likely be about 20% of, of your missional time. I don't even really like that term because I think all of our lives are mission. But the point is that the vast majority of, of, of opportunities for us as followers of Jesus to be on mission and to s- display the gospel in word and deed will be unique places. You know, my workplace with my coworkers or with, with my own neighbors or, or uh, with the, the parents in, in my son's class. And we can invite other believers into those places with us, but, but we must take ownership there. And I hope that working through this will remind some of us of, of the, the truth of that. And so my invitation, friends, is to carve out some good time to go through this document. You'll find it uh, posted in the comments if you're watching this on, on Facebook uh, during the premiere. You'll find it on the homepage of our website and uh, you'll also find it in the comments on, if you're watching this on Vimeo as well. Carve out some good time to go through this document. You might need a couple of sessions even. Find distraction-free, quiet time so that you can sit and reflect and, and be honest about where you're at in this moment. And once you've made a run at it, bring it to those people that you do life with. So my suggestion, as, as you look at this document, you'll see that at the very end, you know, there's going to be some opportunities earlier on for you to begin to plan. What are some rhythms that I want to take up or adapt uh, in my own life? But then at the end, there's this spot where you can kind of uh, compile all of that together. So my suggestion would be that this is the place where your plan gets, gets written down, marked down after you've had some of those collaborative conversations that you need to have. And let this be your working document. You know, if, if, if you're married... Talk with your spouse. If you live with other believers, Christian housemates, collaborate with them. Talk with your missional community. 
As we already said, if you are in an MC, then many of the rhythms that you live by will sort of be in conjunction with others in your missional community. And, and that's good, and we encourage that. And then after you have something written down, give it a go for a month. A month is enough time to, to get the wheels turning, but not so much time that you forget about things. Give this a try for a month and then return to it and say, what, what has worked well? What needs adapting? Um, what do I want to change about this? Because that's good, friends. It, as we said, this, this should never be set in stone. Ultimately, it's not about this guide, this plan. If you have another format that works better for you, amazing. I'm thrilled. It's about each of us. It's about each of us determining to fan into flame this gift that God has given us and putting a plan in place to see that happen. Putting the trellis up so that the vine can grow and flourish. And friends, I really believe that if we do this, there are bright days ahead for us as a church. I really believe that if we take ownership, that if we grab a hold of, of our own uh, putting in place a, a plan for our spiritual growth and learning to do like Jesus, looking more like him, that not only can we survive a pandemic, that we'll actually be able to flourish in the midst of it. So now as we close our time together today and close our vision series, we are going to share in communion. And I love that we are closing our vision series with the Lord's Supper. Communion is this beautiful reminder of all the things that we've been talking about today, but also throughout this vision series. Communion reminds us, as we take the bread and the cup, we're united with followers of Jesus throughout the centuries who've come to the Lord's table to remember what Jesus has done for us. And yet also there is this sense that I am approaching this table. I am taking these elements, reminding myself that Jesus died for me, that I am loved by God, that I, through the body and blood of Jesus, that I am forgiven and am invited into a new life. Will I take that up? As I partake of Jesus' death, will I partake of his life with him? You read from 1 Corinthians, another letter of Paul's. He writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup 
is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray, friends. Jesus, we love you. We are overwhelmed by what you have done for us. The gift of salvation, which has power over our past, our present, and our future. Would we embrace the power of the gospel in our lives and take up the purpose, the purpose that you've given us to see your world saturated with the gospel as we live as adopted sons and daughters doing like Jesus on mission to the places that you have sent us. Would we do that together where we have opportunity? And would we do it in the unique ways and places that you called each of us to grow and to live as your disciples? I pray for us as Church of the City in these unique days and in the, the unique months ahead of us. I pray that not only would we uh, make it through this time, but would we grow and thrive as your disciples. We love you, Jesus. Amen.